This call is now being recorded. This is already turning out so good. This is gold. I love it. You know, we were totally having epiphany moments of our daily lives, and then we were like, oh, this is getting good. So we were like, before. <laughs> we were like, well, let's pause here, and we're going to put it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, hi, everyone. Welcome back to Navigating Normal. And today, we are going to have a conversation with the one and only Taylor, who has been with Hello. me through this whole freaking thing, because we were having a really great conversation yesterday, or was it Monday? I think it was Monday, about... It's progressed. It's been going on. <laughs> about just how far we've come in the last year or two and even before that I feel like and how much further we're gonna go because we've actually started focusing on getting better and doing the work and everything um we are doing this all in one take so just a reminder to you guys I'm on every platform I have social media on everything follow me on twitter Instagram, I'm on Facebook now, blah, blah, blah. Look in the description. Anyways, that's out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that, like, we're actually doing this now because we've been talking about it literally forever. (laughs) Forever in a day. (laughs) We've been talking about this longer than I've been talking to my boyfriend about getting him to come on here. Because every time I talk about having you come on and, like, I did have an episode with Pangu, but then the audio was totally shot, so we're going to re-record it. And I was telling my boyfriend about it, and he was just like, oh, I see how it is. Have Taylor come on. I'm afraid of the water pond behind me. I'm afraid the water pond's going to screw up your sound effect. (laughs) I can't hear it. I think it'll be okay. No? Wait, okay. Hmm. (laughs) I'm so jealous of your guys' backyard. It's so freaking pretty. It's been years of progress, and sadly, it's not going to get any better. Grandpa yeah. was the mastermind, and I was the little helper, and Grandma was the planner. So with not having <laughs> Grandpa, I really doubt new things are going to happen. I'm preventing her from killing Grandpa's favorite plant, but I'm letting her kill all of her favorite ones. She's the overwater. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I am too. Um, it's an argument of she knows better, and I am just not my grandpa's garden prodigy. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, you know. That's so good. It's annoying to <laughs> see plants crying for their lives. It's so annoying. It's so loud for me. I hear them like Taylor is saying that. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> You and Graham are doing so much better, though. Like, just, I, was it the races you guys went to? It was racing, wasn't it? Yes. I yeah. feel like. Out of state races. Going to that, it was like after that, everything just, like, calmed down. Yeah. So I feel like um, it was a really good experience for you guys. It was definitely difficult of Grandpa not driving us, but being on the rearview mirror of his ashes. And I think we both had, like, unspoken words of realization. Mm-hmm. 
she she gets a little nutty here and there <laughs> still <laughs> like this morning oh god <laughs> but um yeah. your podcast with Yvonne the last one if your viewers haven't seen that they really should because I felt like I was in that room you guys just couldn't hear me saying my oh damn this hiss <laughs> but uh you talking about cluster of people that have known each other for so long how that could be a trigger in itself and that was my epiphany or realization hit with my own grandma I'm just like oh shit because my comments my love of life the fact that I can just laugh at myself that Mm -hmm. is a trait of my grandpa I am a living breathing part of my mom my dad and both of my grandparents well all four of them I didn't realize I was sitting there being a living, breathing trigger for her every day. And it's hard because, like, how do you not be who you are? And that's the common denominator I've been getting hit with even in my personal relationships. How do I calm myself down and its energy? Masking the balance of energy is so damn scary and difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, brain's like, we're not going to go there yet. <laughs> <laughs> and and just, just like realizing that other people, like, it's going to sound so weird, but realizing that other people have feelings too. Because like, you don't, you have to learn how to process your own feelings, but then you have to learn yeah. how to process the fact that other people have feelings. Like, you know that other people have feelings. It's not that like you're a mean person. But like, and when I say you, I mean like we, I mean like both of us. (laughs) Like, we're learning how things affect us and also how things affect other people at the same time. And it's just really weird. I mean, um, talking to the significant other on the phone just now, I did mention to him about him being stuck in his avatar is what's mm-hmm. caused us to relapse within ourselves of arguing. Um, mm-hmm. He's going through his things, and he's not realizing of what other people like me are going through. I can't balance his shitty days along with mine, and that was a trigger. So I think we all are at a moment in time realizing the selflessness of being in our own avatar. It's like a suicide bomb. Not only is the person going through the pain, but it's affecting the whole radius around them. And uh, yeah. it's an eye opener. Yeah, I'm so glad that like that part of that episode helped you because like when I was talking about it, I felt like such a crazy person. <laughs> no, I totally felt it. I was there with you. I was like, Hallelujah! There's <laughs> words to this. Like I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> But I, okay, so I want to go further back, uh, for the podcast. Cause like, when we met, we met in a Duncan Trussell fan group. Yes. And the like, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't talk. I don't remember when we started talking all the time. I know, um, like, we were friends for a while on Facebook before we started talking all the time. I think it was shortly after my last roommate became deceased because that's when I really started reaching out to people, especially to the Duncan Truffle group 
like how to management. No, degrees. we started talking before that. You weren't even in the house true. yet. Yeah, true. Um, you were but, painting it, but like we weren't. Oh, that, that is right. Yeah, I, I think that was like a moment like we really got to talking, and then like I fell off the face of earth when I had to do the mental work. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my brain's like only thinking of the negatives. It's like I was this moment <laughs> for a minute. I was in distress. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe like, it was the transitioning of leaving this family, going into my own. Yeah. I think we were both going through a lot. It was like we oh, were yeah. taking turns, basically just like falling apart. Oh, yeah. We for a while got there. connected from the whole I hate humans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> humans suck. The public's ew. I really do still hate myself for outlashing on you when I did and the moment when I believe that I just dropped off the face of the the world is like when I said so much harsh shit that my ugliness truly came to the surface and I'm not going to make excuses for what was going on at that time but I still to this day can't forgive myself for how I reacted towards you. And in a way, exploding that way was the break it moment for me because I felt like that was the moment I was actually officially going to lose you. Like I knew I was losing myself, but to lose other people is when I know I'm easily going to give up on myself more because then no one's going to believe in me and I don't have that security. And going through that possible loss of losing you, it stopped me from being so overdramatic towards everybody in my life because I can't afford to lose anybody. Today I had a snap and I pushed people away again and I immediately called my counselor and we started talking. And then my significant other called me when I was on the phone with my counselor and I was like, oh my God. All of this is just happening all at once. <laughs> but I, I, I truly know I don't want to snap like I used to. I can't afford that. I love yeah. you too much. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> and you don't. And, like, I – when you had, like, your big breakdown and you snapped on me and we didn't talk for months and I started the Dear Taylors saga on the podcast, like – I didn't – I knew why you did it. Like, I could tell why you did it. I could feel why you did it. So I didn't, like, take it personally. I knew that you were going through something. I think, like, I was pissed off that you weren't willing to talk to me about it because, like, what the fuck am I going to do? I live in the Midwest. I'm not going to come knock on your door. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I wasn't – like, I was – hurt on a surface level but it's not like it like broke my bond with you you know what I mean I knew that you were lashing out because of what was happening with you and and like since you came back from that like you you haven't like you did before that on occasion like snap on me and disappear for a day or crumbles (laughs) yeah and then like you had that but like you haven't 
been like that. You haven't, like, been triggered to the point of saying, like, mean things to me in a really long time. Like, even the yeah. the times when you are triggered and, like, I can tell that, like, you're going through something, you're just like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I can't fucking talk. Like, everything sucks. And, and you just kind of, like, check that. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will... I will say that when I came back, I didn't even log into like my medias yet. I went straight to your podcast, and I sat there and I had to listen to like six of them because I was so far behind, and I cried so hard because the way how I took myself out, like just withdrawn and dropped off the media, it was ghostly and being suicidal. I can't expect others to understand. And it was horrible of my communication to not even letting you know that I was going to make the big jump of just disappearing. And to hear you speaking to a ghost, it hurt. Because even to a point of me, it felt like a part of me did die. And so, like, what you were speaking on your Dear Taylor episode, it was like a... I'm going to say something cheesy, like a phoenix coming out of ashes, coming out something different. <laughs> um, losing my grandpa was a whole nother phoenix. I don't know what changed it, but coming back, it's like these triggers with, uh, let's say, Amber Turd. <laughs> I'm just like, that's the person I don't want to be. So my biggest guidance right now would be the word evolve. I'm yeah. holding that so damn hard and so tightly that I need to evolve every day no matter what it means yeah and I mean and you have been and that episode totally was like talking to a freaking ghost I had no clue if you were like alive if like you hopped into the back of a freaking semi and went across the country and decided you were going to be a vagrant somewhere else like I had no clue what had happened to you for months yeah, and here's the pain of whether you should hold on to the idea if I'm alive or not. I don't want to put anybody else through that again. Because it is a suicide bomb. I wasn't registering how much I was hurting everyone else around me. And that was the biggest awakening. So I'm sure, I'm very positive that your podcasts are helping more people than just me. <laughs> I sure freaking hope so. You're making me all teary again. I'm crying. This is just a cold day. <laughs> Full moon last night got me. <laughs> um, last night I started crying because I realized some people in life, they don't get to have love, even one experience of love in their whole entire life. And I have been so ungrateful for the fact that I've had so many different types of love sporadically throughout my life and my materialistic needs are turning into words and volume mm -hmm. of riches behind friendship and volume of relationships you know mm -hmm. so it's freaking so difficult to like sit there and cry to know and reminisce you know on nostalgia moments people that hurt you in the past and it's beautiful that they hurt you because you got to feel something. No matter yeah. the negative or the positive, it's still an emotion. Yeah. And the moments where I'm starting to feel numb, 
I'm going to have to work 10 times harder on realizing moments like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's just like, like what I was saying to you the other night, because you were getting super down the other night, and I was just like, dude, you're exactly where I was when we started talking. You're exactly right. at that point. Because, like, before that, I, I was a total drunk, and I was making horrible choices and blah, blah, blah. And then I quit drinking and I spent all my time at home. I had nowhere to go. I had no one to talk to. No one cared whether I was alive or dead. You know, if I didn't have my kids, like, I just talked to you. And, and like, I would stay up until, like, 3 o'clock in the morning talking to you. And then we'd we'd get off the phone. (laughs) And, like, and I'd just cry until I passed out. And I would do that all weekend. And I would do that every night after work because I had nowhere to go. I had nothing to do. I had nothing to occupy my time other than playing guitar, which I haven't yeah. been doing now. Oh, we're about and to. It, we are going to. <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners, uh, right. Taylor is getting out her dad's old guitar and I am going to give her mm-hmm. lessons. And I swear to God, it is going to be so good for you and you're going to love it so much. And I'm so excited to do this. I'm so excited. Dude, when you told me that the strains might smell like a penny, I totally smelled that guitar. <laughs> and I told my other friends and they're like, that's not true. You had me smell the guitar. And my friends were like, no, it's just because you're copper. Or they're not. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. What did your friend, your friend said it wasn't true. Dude, when your strains no. get old and nasty, they smell like They said that chains. they have never heard that before and you made me smell like it. <laughs> who who is saying this? Did they play guitar? Yeah, they did. They don't okay. Tell me. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry, no, but I've heard of this. Okay. <laughs> no, this is a thing. I swear to freaking God. Okay, so when your strings get really old and worn out, the coating comes off of them. They're they're nickel strings or nickel plated or whatever, whatever it is, and the coating you wear the coating off by playing it and then after the coating wears off you get like metallic debris on your fingers after you play it so like you can smell it smells like change on your fingers it smells like you know like old pennies like I don't know like it smells like change it's like old worn out yeah it's a chemical reaction from you playing all the time and then that's a good sign you need to change out your strings. I'm not fucking crazy. I know. <laughs> Someone was like, it depends on how you're tuning. You can tell if your strings need replacing. They're like, it's not a smell. And I'm like, are you sure now? Because I, I think Stitch is right. <laughs> <laughs> I I play on the same strings until the coating comes off and, like, I, I can smell the metallic smell on my fingers. <laughs> now just right. sound like a weirdo. <laughs> You know, I did work in a music shop, and for the whole two years, I never heard that. <laughs> I've only heard the well, and cats. <laughs> I, I also, like, I wasn't sure what the, the guitar, your dad's old guitar had been through. Um, because, like, I don't know either. that also happens, like, if a guitar has been in too humid of an environment, like the coating, like the, the metal like will... Closet. Yes. And that's where it's been. It's a hot closet. Now I just feel 
freaking crazy. Now I gotta like call all the people I know that play guitar and be like, hey. <laughs> you know how sometimes your fingers can smell like pennies? <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, what are you talking about, bitch? <laughs> I don't do drugs, I promise. Oh my God. Drugs? We know so everyone fun. that I used to know is doing them now. Everyone's self-medicating. And I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird to see it. Like, now that I've been sober for a few years, it's really weird to see people that are still self-medicating and people that are starting to self-medicate that didn't before. And, like, I don't know. I told you about those moms that oh god i was so going off about that because like, oh yeah like i know both of them from two totally different parts of me gaining sobriety one of them i drank with and she was just a trollop for lack of a better word like she would sneak guys past like you had to go through her son's room to get to her room so she would sneak guys through her son's room, into her room, and then back out, and then take her kids to school in the morning. Or she'd let them sleep, take her kids to school in the morning, and then come back and let them out. And did this, like, regularly. And left her kids at home when the little boy had seizures. And her older daughter was, like, 10 or 11 and had to watch this little boy that could have a seizure any minute, you know? And, like, was just so crappy. And then the other mom that completely took advantage of me the entire time I was trying to get sober had me drive everywhere, feed her kids, watch her dog, take her to surgery and everything, and then just dropped me because she was better and started hanging out with her party friends again. And to just see them, like, continue the cycle with their children so blatantly with complete disregard for their children's mental well-being. It just, I was so mad. I'm still, like, mad about that. Sorry, I just started on it again. <laughs> no, it's totally valid to be irate when you're seeing parents still living for themselves and not their children. We are starting to see a community speaking up against that a lot more now than they used to. Yeah. Um, it's always been not my circus, not my monkeys. And people are getting more, let's say, ballsy with this media Mm-hmm. everyone thinks that their opinions matter. That's why everyone posts comments on posts that is not their even life. And people are bringing what they have as behavior on media into reality. Like, that's why we're getting a bunch of Karens right now. Um, I'm wondering if this self-medicating with drugs and other things is something to do with uh, mental health and pandemics because on World War II, the Ouija board was the number one big seller. During the COVID, guess what was another big one seller again? The Ouija board. At hard times, people like to put themselves in fear. What's up with that? (laughs) What are we doing to ourselves? Dude, okay, so um, I haven't said anything yet, so I guess this is going to kind of be an announcement, but I want to do a series in the future, and I don't want to, like, say how far it's going to go because I'm not sure how far I want to get into it. But I've been doing a lot of research lately about, um, like, mental health and, like, childhood trauma and overcoming it and everything. But a lot of it has been 
it keeps circling back to like poverty and mass incarceration and just world economics and how like it all feeds it it all feeds each other like everything's bouncing off of each other and everything affects everything else question do you yeah. think it's affecting why we are having more spiritual or people going to like pagan or even satanism now do you think it has something to do with values like that as well because we are at a time where everyone's saying this is the woke generation honestly like um since i started the podcast and like i've been getting super into politics and stuff like i haven't really been looking at spirituality as much as i used to which is I'm a bummer, but... As, yeah, I'm curious as how to trauma in childhood negate into spirituality as well. You know, like, is that hurting, harboring, helping? You know, like, what are people doing? Are people more so going towards religion or spiritualism because they need something to hold on to? Um, are they taking it all on food as much as gambling or other addictions you know what i mean well, I, think, I think in a certain form it could be an addiction i think it depends on like where you go with it because i mean and how far they go yeah yeah because i know that when i'm down and out if i binge on some duncan trussell family hour i'll feel better like for me that is spirituality just because of like the stuff he talks about um, how well versed he is and all the people that he talks to and how well versed they are and the storytelling format that they sometimes get into just really calms me. Um, but I think that like anything else, it can become toxic, you know, like anything can become toxic if it's done excessively. Right. Is it truly binge worthy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I've been trying, um, I think I told you, like, Sean plays a lot of of video games, and I've been trying to let myself play video games and let myself enjoy time. Because, like, when I was a kid, like, that didn't happen. And when it did happen, like, I got ratioed for it every single time. I got the guilt trip every single time. Like, it was held over my head that we had a Super Nintendo when Super Nintendos were so freaking outdated already. (laughs) They were, like, you know, it was held against me. So I'm trying to learn to enjoy that time, but also, like, keeping it in check because, like, I still got to do the freaking podcast. I still got to go to work. We've got overtime right now, which is destroying my soul. <laughs> and, like, we found this game called Outward, and it's really fun. But, like, we found it when we had COVID, and we spent enti- – like, we couldn't go anywhere, so it was fine. But, like, we spent entire days in the basement playing Outward and didn't even, like, notice it because of just the way that the game was run – it yeah. took, like, I want to say it took, like, half an hour to an hour to complete one day. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah. 
So you could spend all day playing it and feel like not that much time had passed. Like it was an, it's like an adventure game and it's fun, but like, Oh man, that game got toxic real fast. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like me and my painting. If I start painting, I look up and the sun's down. It's getting dark. And I'm like, Oh, I've been painting in the dark. What? <laughs> What's yeah, but that's painting and painting is awesome. Painting doesn't get um, toxic, I swear. <laughs> but sometimes it does take away from the normal every other day things that I need to get done. You yeah, know. Yeah. I wish I could paint all day. Oh yeah. We all wish we could have our own shit without moderation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> I mean, I, I recently saw an episode of Dr. Phil where some girl was crying. She's like, I don't want to work. It's too hard. And I'm like, girl, I feel it. <laughs> I feel it so bad. So bad lately. I'm pretty sure we're going to have mandatory overtime every Oof. summer now. Oh, that's a... That's a prison in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because we used to have... Um, okay, so I've never... I don't think I've ever, like, explained to you what my job is like. And I think, like, the listeners would be interested, too. So I work at, um, like, an outreach facility, but I work on the back end where we have some state contracts to raise money for the outreach facility up front. Um, okay. So it's a data entry department and our state contract is like processing taxes processing um speeding tickets and like the ipass tollway pictures like license plates um and we just we process things for the state but what i do is transcription for the state so what I mostly do is forensic placement evaluations and psychiatric evaluations and a couple medical evaluations. And it's really a huge part of why I started the podcast because, like, you guys all know my background. Taylor, you know my background. Um, doing these reports on these people that are felons, that are incarcerated, that have been in and out of the system their whole entire lives, yeah. and going over where they came from, how they were brought up, like, there wasn't a lot that was different between me and these people. And yeah. yet, like, I'm typing this report, and they're on the other end of this report. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There are real people behind that paperwork, just like everyone's real behind their phone. Everyone yeah. online. Those are real people. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. And, it's and just, I can see why you take that into passion. You're around it every day. Yeah, it's it's all the time. And I'm just like, I'm looking at it and I'm just like, well, how come I ended up here and you ended up there? Like, we both had narcissistic mothers. We both were like poor growing up and living in poverty. And like, we both were abused and you know, there's there's so many variables that can change how a person ends up. Um, but anyways, so we used to get summer second shift temporary employees. And then after the summertime, we'd only go, we'd go back to just having first shift. 
Well, when COVID happened, um, they shut down all the tollway workers. They sent all the tollway workers home and they gave us all the work from sending the tollway workers home. So our workload in the image processing went from like 500,000 to like 5 million overnight. So they immediately put us into mandatory overtime that summer. And we were in mandatory overtime for like a year and a half, I think, straight. We They give us like a week off so that they wouldn't have to like make the part-time people full-time basically and like give them benefits and stuff. Um, but they realized that they don't have to hire temporary workers in the summer. They can just make us work overtime now and we'll just do it. So yeah, that's my life that, every summer now. <laughs> that is easy manipulation from a corporation. Yeah, my it's, like point. It's, it's, it's cheaper for them to not go through the hiring process for just summer employees, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy because some jobs they don't even let you and won't allow you to do overtime. <laughs> They're like, no. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> was like this place was the type of place where if you worked two minutes over your time the boss would say something to you and now right, and then now they're switching it wow yeah yeah but then like in the winter time when the workload is down like in january they will cut hours they will send you home early they will like start watching your minutes on your time clock but then in the summer like they just they want you to just live there in the summer it's frustrating especially so, because my work Sorry. is invested. Sorry. No, you're fine. I just yeah. want to say that bit. With how this is going to happen, you're going to be stuck in a box by yourself again, just doing all this overtime, not having people to interact, like mental isolation in a box again? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how it is all the time. Um, oh, I should have mentioned that, too. Uh, so my work is, like, I describe it as, like, 1984 Orwellian dystopian work. Like, we go into this building that is secure. You have to get buzzed in because, like, we have sensitive materials from the state. We have tax papers and stuff, which is, like, understandable. You have to have clearance to get in. But, like, we sit at our desks. Everyone has headphones on because some people listen to podcasts. And, like, I have to listen to the files I'm typing up. And we get paid according to how fast we type. So getting up and talking to your coworkers is highly discouraged. And there's just, like, rows of desks in these big rooms. And then I have, like, this tiny little office because I do – I'm the only person that does transcription, and I have to listen to reports. So I so get my own like, little tiny little cuticles that everyone's in their own little boxes. <laughs> no, no. Like, it's um, – it's you walk into this room, and there's rows of desks with computers and people sitting at them. And then, like, there's a hallway where the bathroom is and stuff, and there's, like, little offices for – odd and end jobs and I have one of those so and I'm in the middle no sunlight either (laughs) yeah so the reason I brought that up is because I was wondering I know that's got to be mental torture for you um it would be for me just personally not being able to like gander around because I'm a talker um (laughs) (laughs) but like how is that improving or screwing up the projectivity within the company itself because 
how many other of your coworkers are actually like self-medicating because their days are excruciatingly boring, you know? Um, I'm just <laughs> yeah, like, how is the company reaping off of this if they're making people tired with overdraft, you know, and like all this other right. stuff? I'm like, how can they? Like, how do you well, human with this? <laughs> I don't think that anyone necessarily like self-medicates in the way that some people, there's like a helicopter. What is happening? You're famous. What just happened? I live in the middle of a freaking cornfield. Like what? Anyway, yeah, sorry. They're, <laughs> they're coming. Um, like, obviously, to do the type of work that happens in my building, it takes a lot of, like, mental willpower. So, like, obviously, people aren't self-medicating with, like, substances, but they definitely self-medicate with sugar and snacks. Mm-hmm. Pop. People eat popcorn in there all the time. Um, just scrolling through their phones because they're bored. Like we are not working at the capacity that we're usually working because you can only sit and type on the same computer for so many hours before you just have to go sit in the bathroom and scroll through Facebook for a minute. <laughs> you know, like you can't just sit there and do that. We're not machines. Yeah. Cause, and and there is, like, windows, too. It's really difficult. Yeah. yeah, and any type of, like, isolation, whether it's in a home, because isolation can happen with, even when you live with a spouse or family. It could be like they're there, but they're just not emotionally there. And that's still mm-hmm. a form of, like, isolation to me. And doing that even within a business, it's detrimental. And, yeah, I, I just think of it broadly, like, how is this affecting not only you, but everybody? You know, how is this company even being a good company if they can't worry about the people that's the face of the company? (laughs) Right, absolutely, yeah. I will, like, since we're on the back end, like, no one really sees what happens in our building. Um, But it's, it's definitely really difficult. Like, I think that I lucked out doing transcription and filing these doctor's reports and everything because, it's much more mentally stimulating. Um, and it does, like, it helps me all the time when it comes to, like, wanting to do the podcast and how I've been getting into, like, political stuff lately and everything. Like, oh, yeah. it, it makes me want to do more. It definitely helps with my drive. The problem is that after doing it for six to eight to ten straight hours, like, I get home and I'm just like, well, Maybe that drive will still be there on the weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> but now I don't work wait weekends anymore, so Yeah. Um I feel like it it goes with like how I was talking when we first started this recording about like the energy balance, trying to find that balance. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just like curious how other humans are navigating their normal, you know, I'm just like, yeah, how can you sit there? And like, even with me in my daily life, like having no society, no job right now for myself, I don't have the thousand words a day for me to be like in that good. I had a a worthful, exhausting day. Like today was a good day. Like, you know, that good tired. I Mm -hmm. don't get that. 
And I think that's what my body's craving because idle hands are the hands of the devil and I hate being idle. And so to me, like being an artist, like doing the painting, that's something, but it's not enough sometimes. So that's where I go to gardening, but that's still not enough. And that's mm-hmm. something I have to balance with my energy because everyone that has a job or has a family, has some other roommates or whatever, they're talking, they're getting that energy balanced. And when they come to Taylor, then it's like, I finally get to unload my beginning of my day. And I'm like, how are these people being cooped up, balancing their energy when they go home? Is it arguments? Is it through like your, like you said, the sugar addiction? Mm -hmm. If they're drinking a soda pop or drinking something sugary before bed, you know, they're not getting enough required sleep and they're going to wake up tired. So then that's going to affect their work day the next morning, you know? So Balancing the energy is huge right now in my mind, I guess. I'm latching. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, like, the reason why I'm, like, meant, like questioning about you and your coworkers, how they're feeling that is how do they balance? Because I need this help so bad. <laughs> right? I don't – I honestly have no idea what other people in there do. I know that, like, there's people that have been there forever and, like – if you sit that much, your knees go to hell. Like, there's so many people in there that have gotten knee surgeries because their knees just don't work anymore because they sit at a desk all day. And, like, some of them walk with canes now because simply because they don't walk around throughout their day, you know? Um I know that, like, on the occasion that I do push myself to do stuff at the end of the day, like, after I get off work, I feel better. Like, I make myself walk around the outside of the house because there's, like, a million trees in my freaking yard. So there's (laughs) always, like, little baby maple trees everywhere. So at least, like, once a week, I will make a point to go outside and just, like, pluck the baby maple trees. (laughs) <laughs> but it's still something, you know. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about like, knees, and I'm over here stretching mine already. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> sitting down yeah, longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> Everyone, stop what now. you're doing and stretch your knees. <laughs> Just the posture, it. drink your water. <laughs> yes. Knees matter. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so, it was a shock to me at first because, like, the only job I ever did before this one, pretty much the only jobs I've ever done was like waitressing at diners primarily. Like that was what I did. And then I didn't work for a while. And then I ran a kitchen, which was so rewarding. And then um, I didn't work for a while. And then I got this job and it's just like, okay, so you know how I used to run from the kitchen to a table, back to the kitchen to a different table now you're just going to sit here and use your brain. <laughs> you know, um, you haven't worked a food restaurant business unless you've tried in the deep freezer pit. So. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kudos to everybody dealing with all the hangry people in the world. <laughs> I remember this one time we there was this festival in the town I grew up in, one of my first waitressing gigs, and I'd been working there for a couple of years. But when the festival goes on, they hire extra help. 
and one of the new girls and I had to go into the deep freeze to get pans of rice pudding out. And we went in there and I was like, hey, you want to just like sit here for a minute? And she was like, oh, my God, yes. (laughs) And we just like sat on those like five gallon drums of ice cream. We just sat on them and we just pitched. And then we were like, okay, we um, better get back out there. (laughs) That is a form of self-care. It really is. (laughs) Yep, I feel it. It's like a whole... Like, the sense of family in a restaurant is unreal. But at the same time, like, I knew I had to find something where my brain mattered. Oh, yeah. Because, like, working next to women who were in their 60s and 70s and had only waited tables and had been waiting tables since they were 12 and, you know, didn't yeah. make it past middle school and... It just, it was, it was too much. I needed, I needed something where it mattered that I had a bachelor's degree, you know, (laughs) like I just, I needed it. So I'm happy with where I am. It's just, it is emotionally difficult. Someday. Of course. It happens when you're 30, everything after 30, you're just tired. You still love it. You're still loving it tiredly. (laughs) Yeah, Definitely. But I think that I honestly, as much as you paint and as much as you garden, and I know that, like, you are still aching for something, and I totally get that, I think that you will really like guitar. I think it's going to be a really good thing for you because you have the time that you can sit and you can practice and you can get better and better and better and better. Like I did back when I was at that point in my life, and... I think that you're going to find it really, really rewarding. The first time that I played a song all the way through without messing up was, like, such a huge accomplishment. And then when I started playing and singing at the same time, whole songs, like, I felt like such a freaking rock star. (laughs) Right. When I worked at a music shop for about the two years, I seen my boss take in someone that had a heroin addiction. And he told him to throw away that globe and pick up a guitar. I didn't know nothing about nothing. And he gave him, like, the janitorial job just to clean up the shop. To see that the people that the society, like, walks away from, like, their disease. My boss Mm -hmm. took in, like, the rejects of our town, and I loved that place. Like, you couldn't be weird enough for them, and I loved it. Um... I watched him progress within just the first year alone and how it helped him through his sobriety. It helped him express himself. I could see as his strings and notes got stronger, his face got clearer, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I got to see some things. I'm just, I'm sad that I didn't take the time to get away from my art to step in and take use of what the art shop could have offered me. Um, yeah. I, I learned boots and cats, man. That's at least the one thing I've learned. <laughs> okay. um, I you have to time. explain it because I know what you're talking about okay. now, and that was the best explanation. Right. So uh, my buddy, he would teach kids from all ages and ranges, and beginning on drums, when you want to hit the big guys, you go uh, boots, or you do a short boots. 
for the smaller drums, right? And then if you want to hit the, the cat, you hit the top, the, the sizzle thing, little dum dum. I don't know what they're called, man. I'm stuck at this. But uh, it's like you just go boost the cat, the cat, and boost Yes, symbols. So you just go boost the cat, the cat, the The perfect thing I've ever learned, and everybody caught on so quick. It's the best. I love it. Boots and cats. Can we get that on the guitar? I have no idea, but I'm going to try. You can write a Boots and Cats song. How about that? I totally would. (laughs) I don't think that that is – I don't know, though, because, like, I am pretty much self-taught when it comes to guitar. Like, I learned some when I was in high school and, like, dated the punk rock skater boys. I – always like ask them to show me stuff because I had my mom's old guitar and they would literally sit down and teach me everything they knew in like one sitting and I just like soaked it up like a sponge and eventually got to the point where um, one of them was like okay here's how you read tabs leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) and all downhill from there when I wanted to learn things people wouldn't give me the time and day like, to get people to take me serious has always been a problem for me. <laughs> they see this little tiny white girl, blue eyes, and young, and they're just like, oh, she's just a crazy ball of energy. She's she's not worth her time, you know? And mm-hmm. sucks because when I started to learn how to tattoo and I was wanting to get into that hobby of it, um, a lot of these people just wouldn't take me serious as being like an apprentice, you know? And so I was self-taught in that. Um and then it was the very same people that started to abuse my kindness with my equipment, and I was being taken advantage of. And I, when it was take my my mom took my equipment and she pawned it off for her drugs. Now I went to the pawn shop, found my equipment, and they told me I had to make a police report about it. Now who's going to put charges against their own mother? I'm like yeah. this woman's got so much shit going on with her. I can't help it, and I'm not going to do that. So at that point, I was just. You know, it's time to see what else is in art. It can't just be only skin. And so me coming back to California was, like, a huge eye-opener that I could go places with just cleaning. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's crazy because the music world got my art world to start. So how those mm-hmm. are connected is just mind-boggling. I didn't expect music and art to go hand-in-hand, hand, but it does. Oh, they do, though. Artists support artists of all genres and formats, for sure. There's actually a show that um, there's this lady that has been hounding me to bring stuff for her local artist events. But she's, like, I'm, like, kind of local. Like, she's in a count, like, the other county over. So it would be, like, an hour drive for me. But she's been hounding me for, like, a year to come to one of her county events and um, they have like local food trucks that come out and do this event and they have local music that come out. They have local art that come out. Like it's all like art, all the kinds of artists that there are are so much more community oriented and really good at like supporting each other for sure. It's oh, um, I because like, like we all sorry. no you're fine we all had to lean on art at one point in time or another some form of art right. to feel better uh, I did have a band that was interested in me and my art so they did 
pay me just picking me up 80 bucks before we even go to the venue where they were going to play. And they let me set up my art table, and I got to keep whatever I sold in my stuff. And their um, inventory table, whatever I would sell for them while they're playing, I got, like, mm-hmm. a percentage of that. So, like, I was really shocked with how even collaborations can start up like that. And I was over the moon being given that opportunity even. I was like, I could do this. Like, I got to go to Mariposa, L.A., Fresno, doing some weed conventions. I was in my element. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Oh, man. It's cool that it's legal here, finally. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to do more with my art. Like, as soon as the girls are done with high school and at least after my older daughter moves out, like, if my younger daughter's still a senior, like, I'm not as worried about it. But, like, I'll be able to tell my boss I want to be part-time <laughs> and, like, spend so much more time in the freaking studio and just make those tapestries I've been trying to get done and just do more of the things that I want to do. Focus on the freaking podcast some more. Um, I want I want to I know it sounds so dumb. I've been nerding out over politics so hard for the last, like, two years. I like world getting politics. Worse. I like world politics. It's, like, kind of where I'm at. Yeah. See, I'm in, I'm in the exact opposite. I'm, like, getting super into, like, local politics. Not – I'm not – okay, the idea of local politics. I have not yet – broken into my personal local politics yeah just what Um, what could hit home yeah yeah Yeah. because like the town that i live in sucks but i I don't want to leave it like there's so many it's frustrating because the girls have had so many friends over the years living here and it's like all the good ones their parents like leave the state because not just the town, but the state is dying, you know, and it's just, it's frustrating because, like, I don't want to give up on it. I don't want to give up on Illinois. I don't want to give up on this tiny little town in the middle of the cornfield, you know, like, there's something, there's still something beautiful here. It's just, it's getting taxed to fucking death, and everyone has nothing to do but sit at the bar, and it's just, I don't know, man. I want to be better. I want all of it to be better. I have been um, binging YouTube documentaries about poverty cases, and it's – I thought it was going to be depressing after a little while. Like, after the second or third one, I was like, I should probably stop. This is going to get depressing. But it's not depressing so much as it just, like – makes me want something to be different, you know? Like, something's got to change at some point. And I feel like there's so many people that are like us out there that, oh, yeah, that want things to be different, not just for us, but, like, for people like us. And... And the people that are going through hard times are people like us. And I 
I feel like the more I get into politics is the more that I'm like trying to, I guess, represent people like us, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Um, I still think that like with what you're doing, where you're putting your passion and energy into at the end of the day, that's still giving you that good exhaustion. That's a good mm-hmm. outlet. Like when I was showcasing, I, at the end of the day, would have that good exhaustion and COVID took away all the venues. So mm-hmm. thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't get that pure exhaustion. And now, even if I were to go and do venues, being with my grandmother, I'm worried about ever bringing something home to her. Right. So it's not safe. And then now in my town, we have nine cases of monkeypox. And I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, into my same gender. I am straight. And everyone's saying, oh, this is going from men to men or female to female. Well, yeah, but guess what? It's a new topic. If you touch someone's dog, and I know if I see a dog, I'm still like, oh, puppy! Um, I'm stupid. Okay. <laughs> that Who doesn't do that like, with a dog, though? <laughs> right. To have a new topic, that scares me because my dumbass is going to try to be friendly with anything non-human mm-hmm. <laughs> now this is gonna hurt me <laughs> so i'm like oh my god <laughs> oh my god cadence's friend that is homeschooled um so when covid started like they basically locked themselves on their house for like two years straight and oh yeah my grandma their, did yeah and their mom would take their dog for walks and their dog like has been in my house before i've fed that dog plenty of hot dogs over the years you know (laughs) and she was like down the block from my house and I was like getting out of my car to walk inside after work and the dog like took off and drug her down the street and up my driveway and she like lunged at me (laughs) oh man and I was just like oh my god I don't I hope I don't have COVID because this dog is decided it doesn't care. <laughs> right. You know, um, it's sad because to see how that dog reacts towards even you, imagine how massive the world was feeling that too. Yeah. There's so much sure. energy being built up again. Back to the energy damn word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. How do we evolve from here? You know, it's, I don't like this whole yeah. new normal and accepting for BS. Um, I I just don't know the, the next steps because I know from between me and you on our off-the-air tops <laughs> topics, <laughs> we bounce off of each other. And it's not that we necessarily are needing affirmation or information even. It's like we settle it out within ourselves it's just like a backboard you know mm-hmm. and I think that's what caused us to have so much of like a heightening of awareness now with what we're doing and being able to become better um I just I hope that the rest of humanity has people like how we have each other because at the end of the day it's gonna take the village to raise kids yeah and we're just all raising each other and everyone with these senses up have been able to say not my property get away and it's not their problem. When did we go from having that to, like, where we were supposed to love our neighbors and accept them like the travelers that they are, you know? Oh, my gosh, uh, yes. I had I blame a the whole, senses. <laughs> I had a whole talk with my therapist about that the last time that I saw him, and he 110% agrees with 
how like there is no sense of community anymore. And like it used to be like if you had to run to the store to get, you know, a, a loaf of bread or a thing of milk real fast and your 10 year old was playing in the front yard, you could ask your neighbor to keep an eye on them. So that you or can you go do that. Or for a cup of sugar. <laughs> yeah, and now like you, you can't can. do those things anymore. Like I lucked out. I absolutely love my new neighbor. She is so freaking awesome. But like before that, like we didn't really have that. That's not yeah. a common thing now. And people don't. People complain that there's nothing to do, but then they don't want to be a part of the things that there are to do. Yeah. Like um, there's this lady that organizes a 4th of July festival in the town I live in. And I decided I wanted to really step up and be more active and show up for it. So, like, I went to the first meeting and I volunteered for every single event that I could volunteer for to for all the fundraisers. Like, we did a movie in the park night with a bake sale. I baked all freaking week <laughs> for this bake sale. Um, I made the kids come and I made them help. And it was so frustrating because, like, she's popular. She went to high school here. She graduated from here. Everyone in town knows her. And it was, like, us and one other lady that showed up for the movie in the park night. And none of her friends or, like, well, no, her sister showed up, too. But, like, no one showed up or was there for her. But then, like, when it came time for the actual 4th of July events, after setting up for the 4th of July events, then everyone showed up and then everyone was available and thought she was doing a great thing and wanted to help out. And it was just so frustrating because, like, where the fuck were you? <laughs> no one wants to help decorate the cake, but they all want to eat it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then they complain that there's no cake. And it's just like, well, we already baked the bitch and you weren't here. Or <laughs> that it wasn't big enough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's why I always say, like, do something that scares you because. And I took your advice with the guitar. (laughs) Yeah. Like me doing the 4th of July stuff and showing up these events, not knowing who was going to be at them was so freaking scary. Because, like, I don't talk about it a lot, but, like, when I got sober, there was, like, a hate campaign against me. For a while, I w- I got anxiety no. about leaving my house and going to the local local grocery store because um one of my best friends when I got sober she was like my bartender so when I quit drinking she hated me and she would like she would take pictures of vehicles in my driveway like my dad came to visit one day and she took a picture of his truck. And she was like, oh, look who's got another guy at her house. It's just, like, benign asshole bullshit. And it it got to the point where, like, people I didn't even know were, like, hate messaging me. I got a couple, like, death threats a couple times. And, like, people were telling me I needed to move out of town. It was, like, insane bullshit because I got Sorry. sober and wasn't at the bar anymore. Um that's hard it, cause like, it's like when you're trying to be healthy and setting boundaries and you're being attacked for being like yeah. evolving. <laughs> That's just not fair. Yeah. So like I wasn't a part of my community for like two years and now I've been sober for four years and some change. And so now I just, I think I've hit a fuck it period 
people are going to talk shit on me and say I'm such a horrible person for getting sober. And, like, they were, like, accusing me of sleeping with people I'd never even met. Wow. <laughs> it was it was insane. There was this, there's this one famous, girl. famous, honey. I know. I got <laughs> super famous. There was this one girl that I had met her a couple times. And, like, I had met her husband. But, like, I, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Like, to this day, I don't know what her husband looks like. I know I've met him. I know that I've driven them home from the bar before. I don't know what he looks like. And it started going around that I was sleeping with him. And so she would walk up to me in the bar when I was, like, DDing for people after I got sober. Because I did that for a little while. And she would just be like, hey, can you take my husband home? Because I'm sick of him already. Just keep him for, like, a week. <laughs> Right. I, I've had people assume that when I got sick and lost a lot of weight that I was on drugs, I've even had people spreading that rumor to my dad. So that became a family issue. And I was working like three jobs at the time and doing roller derby on the other side of it. So mm-hmm. I was really maxed out, like burning energy, like an ADD person. Um, of course, I'm going to be toned and losing weight because I'm not being lazy anymore. Um, right, yeah. And every but obviously, single, like, it's got to be drugs. What else could it be? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So every single person that came up to me saying, hey, Taylor, you look so good. How long have you been sober? I'm just like, you know, it's been like, you know, eight months. Oh, it's been like a year. Oh, well, you keep doing good because I have nothing to prove to anybody. And it took me a long time to get to that point that I'm not going to be accepted by everybody. I'm not everybody's Mm -hmm. cup of tea. And if they're talking about me, hey, I must be doing something right. I used Mm -hmm. to think I was a major screw-up and a major fuck-up. Sorry for the language. But uh, (laughs) it has came to my attention now that failure is an indicator of progress. Yeah. And to know I have fucked up thousands and millions of times i don't claim to be a good healthy human but goddamn, i'm gonna be beautiful because of all the things i know what i don't want now yeah definitely and it's me the person i'm gonna be and you're gonna be amazing i'm gonna be amazing we got this five years from now we're gonna be badasses (laughs) and still rambling (laughs) but i think like i feel like all of us go through that like even the people listening right now like People who go through childhood trauma are expected to be less. And it's the drive to want to be more that people aren't expecting out of us, don't necessarily even want out of us half the time. But fuck what other people want out of us because it's our lives. And And we have the right to be better. It's like, what are you going to put where? And what are you going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and and remember to do something that scares you. Always. Everyone, just please, hey, like, share the podcast. And if you want to come on and talk, like, we're pretty freaking harmless, I think. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the Stitch Hotline is always available. You hear about it all the time. It is always in the description. My email is in the description. I have a P.O. box now. Thanks to the wonderful Pangu for all of his monetary donations and 
Roger and anyone else that wants to donate, um, every time, I swear to God, every time someone donates $5, I spend like 20 on this podcast. <laughs> I'm always just like, oh my God, someone bought me a coffee on Ko-Fi. I'm going to go like order something on Amazon. I need a new microphone, don't I? It's right. so out of control. <laughs> so everyone, please check out the course description or the episode description. Um, I have to go teach Taylor how to play guitar now. Should I, like, should I play a song? Definitely. You think so? 100%. I literally have not played guitar in years. So, I don't know. Like, I'm singing, I'm playing, and I'm singing, I'm singing, I'm playing. I don't remember everything. It's funny how it, like, leaves your brain. Right, when you're on spot, yeah. Okay. Well, I ain't nobody's problem but my own. Said I ain't nobody's problem but my own. I said I ain't nobody's issue. Don't you come around, baby, cause I don't miss you at all. turn this junk off everybody share that the podcast okay bye bye Taylor, say bye <laughs>